2007, and one of Amy's brothers had decided that he was going to go into the military, specifically the Marines. And I remember that her parents hosted a going away party and a prayer time at their church for him. And during the weeks that he was in boot camp, we wrote him notes of encouragement. And later, when he had completed the training, it was time for graduation. And the entire family uh, had worked together. Uh, We got to hear some of the details that he told us about what happened while he was away. And there was one specific thing that I remembered about that weekend that he graduated and then came back to tell us a lot of the things that had happened while he was gone. That specific thing was that while he was at boot camp, I too was at boot camp. Now, I was not at the Marine boot camp like he had endured. Instead, I was at Bottle Boot Camp. You see, what happened is a few months before this graduation, our daughter Aaliyah was born. And we hadn't gone on too many trips at that point, but I remember the drive from the Joplin area up to St. Louis. With a newborn, this trip that at one time had taken close to four hours was now closer to six. And I remember that she was not a fan of the car seat, and she also had never really taken to the bottle at all. And so we had tried a few times, but it was just not something that she enjoyed. And so as this graduation was coming up, we tried harder and harder to get her used to taking a bottle, but it did not work. And so finally, the weekend of the graduation was upon us, and Amy flew out to San Diego with other members of her family, leaving Aaliyah and I behind. Since I am not Amy, Aaliyah had no choice but to use the bottle that weekend. Hence, it was time for bottle boot camp. And she let me know that she was not happy about this thing called the bottle. She refused to eat. She would yell at the top of her lungs. I would continue trying for a while and then step away to regroup as my emotions were all over the place. But then I would try again because this drill instructor was going to persevere and she was going to take the bottle if it was the last thing that I did. And maybe it wasn't quite that drastic, but it was close. But sometime during that weekend, she graduated from bottle boot camp because now she began to take the bottle. And as Amy came back to us, Aaliyah still preferred not to use the bottle, but she would take it if I sat down with her. And in the middle of the night, Amy could now sleep through certain shifts that I could feed her. Amy and I were thankful that Aaliyah had graduated this bottle boot camp. It was a weekend I will never forget, and one that Aaliyah, well, she doesn't remember it at all. But I was thinking about this idea of basic training and basic military training recruit training, boot camp. Those are all phrases or terms used in different branches of the military for the training period that each cadet goes through. And other than bottle boot camp, like I've never been through any of those. Now hear me as I tell you, I completely understand that that weekend was nothing compared to what an actual boot camp goes through. Like I totally understand that. But in starting this new series, like I did want to reach out to individuals that I know who have been part of the Air Force and the Army and the Navy and the Marines. And I wanted to ask people from those four branches to tell me a little bit more about their experiences. And as I listened, I also said, will you tell me what kind of connections could be made between boot camp and how God prepares us for this battle of life? 
And in those conversations, here are five things that kind of came out of those discussions. Number one is that one of the purposes of boot camp is to break down an individual and then build them back up with the military's philosophies and values. You see, this means both physically and mentally. The military wants to make sure that you're a person, that you can handle whatever may be thrown at you during the time of battle. And so they want you to be physically and mentally strong. And some people may not be able to make it, but for everyone else, they are taught skills and values and needs that are set up to help them be successful. In our relation to our Christian walk, we serve a God that is not necessarily a God who wants to break you down. However, before we choose to follow Jesus, we can be stuck in sin. Like we can have the mindset that is led by darkness or selfishness or even pride. And we may have to hit rock bottom before we allow ourselves to change. And it isn't something that God sits back and enjoys watching, but he does want the outcome of us truly coming to him. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we're told this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul writes, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, when we follow Christ, we are told to throw off things that can hold us down. We are told to let our minds be renewed. And as we connect with God in this close way, our lives should match up with God's philosophies and his values. And so that's one area where our Christian walk and basic training can parallel one another. A second is this. The military is teaching you skills with desires for you to succeed. Like, yes, it's true that there are going to be some people who are not able to make it out of boot camp, but the military wants good recruits to be able to succeed. And in every step of the process, they're teaching so that you can understand the basics, you can understand the fundamentals, and then you can take those skills and be able to use them on your own. And I was told about this crawl, walk, run philosophy, which basically means first that you are shown and explained how to do something, all right? Then secondly, you're expected to perform those skills on your own. And then thirdly, you're expected to do them without being instructed. And you're expected as well to be able to do similar tasks without being taught those things as well. And in our walk with Jesus, God equips us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Or in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing about the importance of the Scriptures and why we need to follow them. And so in verse 17 of chapter 3, he says why. He says, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, through God's power, through His Spirit, through His forgiveness and His Word, we have what we need to be successful. God wants us to be able to stand strong long after our initial training is over. 
Thirdly, an important thing to learn is to trust your drill instructor. Now, you might think, what? They're doing a lot of yelling at you. Yes, that is part of the process. But as you are going through boot camp, like you have to realize, you must realize that they are not trying to sabotage you. A drill instructor's job is to get you ready. And whether you like all their tactics or not, you have to trust him or her. They're not wanting to see you fail. They simply want you to be fully prepared and equipped. And I was told by multiple people that once you learn how to play the game, boot camp really isn't that bad. Now hear me, I'm not saying it's easy, okay? I didn't say that at all. But as you understand how things run, it helps you accomplish each task that comes before you. And it eventually brings you to the completion of the training program. And as a Christian, we would love to know everything that God is doing. Like we would love to know, why are you allowing certain things to happen and how are you working in this moment? But Isaiah 55, eight says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And even if you don't understand everything, know that God wants you to succeed. He's not trying to sabotage you in any way. In fact, he is probably fighting for you much more than you even realize. Fourthly, the drill instructor won't lower their standards for you. Like they have come out to achieve a specific task and they know it works for the outcome that the military desires and they're not going to lower their expectations for a recruit. It doesn't matter if that person doesn't like something or if they don't feel like doing something, they are required to meet the standards. There's no exceptions. And as Christians, we know that we are saved because of the grace of Jesus. None of us can earn our own salvation. And after we're saved, none of us are gonna be perfect. Like that was a fact that I learned very early as a child when one of the kids who picked on me at church decided to get baptized, and I was so excited. Until the very next week, he came back and continued to pick on me. And I realized you're not perfect after you're baptized. And even though you and I were not gonna be perfect, God does have expectations on how we should live as we follow him. In fact, six times in the book of Leviticus, God says, be holy because I am holy. That word means set apart. God expects us to live lives that are set apart from the world. Now, he will help us do it just as we looked at, but it doesn't matter if we don't like something or it doesn't matter if maybe we don't feel like doing something. Like He instructs us to live this life that is holy. No exceptions. The fifth truth is that in the military, it is up to you to complete boot camp. Like you can't rely upon someone else to do the work for you. Sure, you can be encouraged by others in your platoon or notes from home, and there are times that you work together with others to accomplish tasks, but you have to put the work in yourself. And in that moment, it doesn't matter if your parents were in the military. It doesn't matter if you were the star athlete in high school. It doesn't matter if no one ever made you make your bed at home. Like what you do right now is what matters. And in the same way, faith in God has to be your own. Like parents, you have a huge job in building a foundation and teaching your kids the truth. But at some point, each person has to decide 
what they believe. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I'm not going to unpack everything that that verse says today, but understand that we are saved by Jesus as we put our faith and our trust in him. And in student ministry, one of the things that we talk about is that you can't graduate from high school and go off to college or the military or a career relying on your parents' faith or the student minister's faith or a youth coach's faith or even one of your friends' faith. Like, it has to be yours. And that doesn't mean that it has to be perfect where maybe you have everything figured out, but it does have to be real because God can work with that. And you know, as I spoke with those who have served or are serving right now, I was excited to learn some of those details again that like I would never have known myself because I haven't learned it. But it helped me to have this foundation for this new series called Basic Training, Preparing for Battle. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna look at some basic truths some foundational teachings that we need to know as Christians. These things are intended to help us be successful. We're also going to be looking at the passage from Ephesians chapter 6 that tells us about the armor of God. And if you have a Bible or device, you could turn to Ephesians 6 because we'll be there in just a little bit. But understanding what God has given us for battle and knowing how to use those weapons is hugely beneficial as we fight this battle. Like if someone came up on stage right now and handed me almost any type of weapon for self-defense, it wouldn't be very productive because I haven't been trained how to use that. And so some people in this room, we know about the armor of God, but we have no idea how to really use those things. And so let's start our training. And so today, there are three truths that we need to know as we prepare for battle. And by the end, you may end up thinking, Those things were like super basic. Like, why did we need to talk about those today? But hear me when I tell you, if we don't have the right understanding with these truths, then we cannot win the battle. And so the first truth is this. We are in a battle. (laughs) I know, super basic, I told you, and yet it's true. You know what? As we are living this life, there is good and there is evil all around us. And that fact wouldn't be argued by anyone. Like everyone would be able to say, I see that. But sometimes people just think, well, that's part of life. There's good and evil. Or sometimes people think we live in this world of opposites. So I see good. And so if there's good, there has to be evil as well. But it's more than just that. We are in a battle. I remember a movie a few years ago called The Truman Show. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but in this movie, there is someone named Truman and he is living his life and there are hidden cameras all around allowing people to watch his every move. And he was born into the situation. So he has no idea that everyone around him is an actor. And so an audience all over the world is watching his every move. And for much of the movie, he has no idea ignorant of the situation at hand, he goes on living his everyday life and he's completely unaware of the actual situation. And sometimes that's the way we are with this battle all around us. Or sometimes I think about the fact that, you know what, if you and I, we have kids, there's a lot of times that we don't let them know everything. You know, we don't tell them everything that's going on. We shield them from much of the truth and not in a bad way, but in a loving way. Like one instance, I remember as I was growing up with my sisters, our family, we added on to our house. 
We had no idea how much time our parents stayed up late continuing to work on that addition. But I think about other things. Maybe in your life there are moments where there are some job difficulties or stresses or financial difficulties, and you as parents don't just tell your kids all of those things. And again, it doesn't mean that you don't love your kids, but you don't want them to have to stress about some of those things that they have no control over. And as we go living this life, knowing you know, the full extent of what's going on behind the scenes with some of those things, sometimes that's not the same with the spiritual battle. Like we're living this life, and I do, I think there's some times that we have no idea to the surroundings around us, and we just kind of go on living, nope, it's a Monday, it's a Tuesday, and so we live that day. And then there's others of us that, yes, we do understand there's a battle, but we don't realize the fullness of it. And I'm reminded of an event that happened with the prophet Elisha in the Old Testament. Like Israel is being attacked by Aram, but Elisha is able to tell every single place and every attack is going to happen. And so Israel is always on guard against those places. And so the king of Aram, he gets so angry that he finds out it's because Elisha is telling people where this is going to be. And so he tries to have Elisha captured. He surrounds the city that Elisha is in um, with horses and chariots during the middle of the night. And when Elisha's servant wakes up and he looks outside the city, he's afraid. And he goes to Elisha and he simply asks, what should we do in this situation that we're in? And I love Elisha's response in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. It simply says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, I have no idea what this servant was thinking. Like, does he immediately, like, understand and agree with Elisha? Does he kind of think that response is a little bit crazy? Does he do a double take to kind of look out? Maybe I missed something, you know, as he's looking out at the army. And I don't know. But the very next verse in verse 17 says this. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. There's a battle going on around us, and so much of it is one that we cannot see. And we'll actually talk about that a little bit next week as we look at our enemy. But I often tell people, if we could actually see the spiritual battle that is happening right now all around us, like I think we'd be terrified. I think it would scare us. The truth is, you and I, we are in a battle, even if we don't allow ourselves to believe it, or even if we choose to minimize it. The second truth that we need to know is this, that God wins. And again, I get that that's an, a very basic truth, and yet it's one that we have to grab hold of and not let go. Like as you look around, it may appear that evil's winning. And I would agree that there are situations that evil looks like it is winning certain battles, maybe battles within nations, or battles between groups of people, or even within groups of people, or battles within individual hearts. But here are two other things that are real. One, that God may be working in ways right now that you cannot see. I think about this fact that Elisha's servant could not see that they were about to win the battle because he could only see the physical. And God may be doing amazing things right now. I think about the song Waymaker, where we sing, even when I can't see it, you're working. 
even in those moments that I don't feel it, you are working. You never stop working. And there are a lot of times in our situations of life that we'll look back after something has concluded. We're like, wow, I see how God was working the entire time, even when in the midst of it, yeah, I didn't realize how he was doing that. And so right now, God may be winning so much more than you even know. But I might encourage you this too. If you think that evil is winning, be reminded that God will be the final victor of the war. And it won't even be this big battle that some people have kind of pictured. He's going to win it easily. And we have been told the end, and the one who told us is trustworthy. And so as we fight this battle, we can know that we are on the winning side as long as we choose to allow God to be the one to save us. So here's the third truth that we need to know this morning, that God gives us what we need to win too. God gives us what we need to win as well. And to make this point, I could quote verses that talk about how God will strengthen and protect us, how the weapons we fight with are not of this world, how we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. I could talk about how we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. But instead, let me simply point us to the beginning of our Ephesians 6 passage that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. Starting in verse 10, here's what Paul writes. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Like Paul says that we should stand strong and not in our own power, but in the power that God gives to us. See, you are not strong enough to go to war against this enemy on your own. You just aren't. And so don't try it. However, because of his power and the armor that he gives to us, we can be prepared for any attack that the enemy may bring against us. If you're still in Ephesians 6, jump down to verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. The Greek word translated stand means holding on to a position, and that is the purpose of the armor, so that you will be able to stand strong and you will ultimately win. You know, it is those attacks come each and every day, and they come from all sorts of directions. If you have gone through the training, if you are equipped with the weapons that God has given if you are leaning into his strength and his guidance, no matter what comes your way, you can stand firm. And when the final battle is over, you may be completely worn out. You may have evidences all over you that you have fought in many battles, but you will still be standing victorious. You and I, we are in a battle right now but we can know that God wins and we can be confident that he has given us what we need to be able to win as well. So the question is, will you fight? Will you fight? Will you arm yourself with the correct weapons? Will you go through the training that is needed? But the first question that has to be answered before any of those others even matter is this. 
Which side are you fighting for? Which side are you fighting for? Are you fighting for the king that wins in the end, the drill instructor who wants you to succeed, the creator who loves you? Or are you fighting for yourself, thinking you got this? Maybe you're fighting even for causes that are good, but they're not the cause. Or possibly, like as you sit there this morning, you're just so tired from all the battles that you're ready to quit fighting. Maybe that's where you're at. Who you fight for means everything. There's often a scene in war movies where a soldier's fighting and he either gets shot by a bullet or a grenade or goes off or something like that and then they can't move. And at some other point, there's another soldier that comes running in risking their own life to save, to rescue that injured soldier. Jesus did not just risk his life when he saw you laying there helpless on the battlefield. Instead, he sacrificed himself for you. And it wasn't even one of those last second responses to a bad situation. He planned his rescue because to him, you are worth it. You are that important. And so if you've never allowed him to rescue you, don't keep laying there on the ground helpless. Like during this song as we're singing, we have people at our two decision points that would love to pray with you and help you with whatever is your next step in this journey. But for all of us, let's continue our training. Let's suit up for battle. Let's fight the good fight. And through Jesus, let's be victorious. And so if you have a decision to make, head to the decision point as we stand and sing about victory through Jesus. Will you stand and sing?